Hi, and welcome to Recovery Daily Podcast. This is Rachel, and this is number eight, episode number eight, eight days in a row. And um, it's easy going for me, honestly. Um, The topic today is about, uh, it's called Between the Words. And it's funny because I was just about to say how much I have to say and how many more topic. It's endless. The stuff that I have uh, has have been hiding away, and and the stuff that um, that I want to talk about. And so this is just so healing for me. It really is. And um, and it doesn't matter what I say in these episodes. It's it's where my words are coming from that matters and uh, and that's what's healing me is it's not the topics that i come up with although i'm i'm rocking it so far i might just say so myself <laughs> but uh it's it's really um it's what's behind all of this that i'm doing um that's where the real value and and healing is and um and i i i have tried to um start making it a habit of listening even when nobody's talking and um and that's it's difficult to to uh sit in silence um one of the things that i that i learned in the very beginning of the job that i'm at is that there is so much value in silence um especially when you're presenting to a room of people if you pause it number one allows you to collect your thoughts so you don't just keep rambling and talk yourself into a corner which i'm very known to do uh the other thing is the people that are listening to you can see that you're putting a lot of thought into what you're about to say and so um i've been trying to not be so afraid of silence but it still is kind of icky to me and i do tend to to want to talk, but I'm getting better at stopping myself and, and letting silence happen. Um, I posted on Facebook this morning that I had this podcast and I was really nervous about doing that. Uh, nervous because I am totally sharing everything that is in my heart and everything that is making me feel like what I had been feeling, you know, eight days ago before I started, I guess nine days ago, before I started doing this podcast. And I've shared that those feelings were um, depression. I was crying. I was wanting to figure out, well, I was wanting muscle relaxers because I needed 
something to manage this pain in my head. And I didn't, I didn't know what else to do. I felt like I had already exhausted my options. And, um, and I hadn't, you know, I hadn't, I think a lot of times we think that we've exhausted all of our options. <laughs> and we haven't, we've exhausted all of the options we feel like doing. And, and that's what I did. And it was going to take a lot more for me to get better. Um, and I, one time a lady in, in, in my program and my sobriety said that when she decided that she was going to get sober, she, uh, was willing to do whatever it took. And she said, if that meant that somebody asked her to roll a penny down the street with her nose, she would have done it because she was willing to do whatever it took to get sober. And today I feel like I'm going to do whatever it takes for me to stay sober. And the way that I have to stay sober is to share the pain that I'm feeling right now, the frustration and the sadness that I feel about all the things that I can't do right now. And by doing this, by talking, I am starting just ever so slightly to be able to see what I can do right now instead of focusing on what I can't do. And so I'll get into that um, in a little bit about the things that I'm noticing that I can do. But to share with my Facebook, I don't post on Facebook other than um, pretty much my anniversary of sobriety is when I post. And once in a while, if I took a good picture of uh, the family, uh, me and the kids, uh, I'll post that on there or, or an adorable picture of my kids or something like that. I'll post on there. But other than that, I don't really post, but I, I used to, when I was drinking, I posted a lot on there and, um, not terribly proud of a lot of stuff that I posted. Anything that I, uh, remember, I'm not terribly proud of, and the rest I don't remember. So um, if one were to go back through my Facebook history, there would, I know there's a picture of me dancing on, on the top of a bar. <laughs> I know that um, there's a lot of pictures of me with different friends, and I'm hammered in the picture. And uh, so there's a lot of that happening. I, I have a few pictures of me with family, but uh, usually when I was with family, sorry, family, I was hungover. So I was either drunk or I felt like shit, one of the two. Um, so that's my Facebook life. But I did manage to, um, to build a really good, big network on Facebook. So I decided that I wanted to see if in that network, I might be able to find somebody else who had a stroke and maybe has my same disability that I'm dealing with right now. So um, 
I mentioned, I think in the first episode, I'm not doing this so that I become a viral sensation or anything like that. Um, I'm doing this because this is what worked for my sobriety to talk. And I can't, I haven't been able to find a forum and I don't have the ability to scroll through forums or search or research. So I am using the one thing, one of the things that I have uh, that is still intact and that is my voice. And even that um, was damaged in the beginning when I first had a stroke. And once in a while, I will say the wrong words and stuff, but it's few and far between. Actually, over the past eight days, as my head has started to feel slightly, slightly better, I have been, I've been able to catch myself before I say the wrong word, or I'll say half of the wrong word and realize that. I'm saying the wrong word and I'll be able to correct myself. So there is some sort of linkage between um, my speech and uh, whatever uh, part of my brain is controlling my speech and the words that I pick and the pain that I have in my head. I've noticed that as well. Um, anywho, um, let's see. So one of the things so speaking of 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 being courageous and sharing on facebook i uh when i first got sober i i know that i shared this in a previous episode but i cried every time i shared i cried and um and what i realized is uh it wasn't necessarily what i was sharing that, um, that mattered. It wasn't the words that I was saying. It was what was between the words, behind the words. It's what existed before I let the words out and what existed after I let the words out. And so it's, it was like a gate that had to be open. And once that gate was open, it just fell out of me, all of the emotion and tears and experiences and frustrations and sadness. And uh, it just poured out of me like a waterfall. And then what was left behind was this like, it's like being in a loud concert. And then, and and then you, when you leave and you get in your car and you don't turn the radio on and it's super quiet, it's like that. It's what's left over after the words came out that mattered. And that's where the healing was. And that's where the healing still is. And I've heard, I've heard a lot that we stunt our emotional development with alcohol and drugs. And so I've also mentioned that before. And so I've been thinking about how this relates to my rehabilitation after my stroke. And what I have been using as a crutch 
just like I was using alcohol as a crutch for dealing with life, I was using work as a crutch to just move past all of these symptoms, thinking I could move past all of these symptoms, just like I thought drinking was getting me through all of my terrible things that I was dealing with in life. And, and I assure you, they weren't as terrible as they, if I was sober, they wouldn't have been as terrible, but they were terrible when I was drinking. And so I just kept drinking more. And I thought that drinking was getting me through it. And it wasn't doing anything. It was just making those things just sit inside my dark place and just get darker and heavier and more painful. And that's exactly what has happened with my stroke recovery. I got to a certain point where I was kind of doing what I thought I needed to do to recover from the stroke because I was, I really didn't think that it was that bad. (laughs) That sounds so stupid, but I had a stroke and I was like, "Eh, I had a stroke. I'm still here. Everything's fine. You know, my head hurts a little bit, but, um, so I just went back to work and I just ignored it. And I just kept, um, I kept doing things that made the symptoms and the pain just start getting worse and worse. And it weighed heavier and heavier on my mind. And it became more and more painful until I think I was starting to emotionally, I was starting to realize that things aren't good and things are going in a bad direction. But I'm like, oh, I'll just do what I did when I first had my stroke and I'll just take big breaks and I'll work for 15 minutes and then I'll take a break. Um, well, that's not working. So uh, instead I'll work an hour and then I'll take a two hour nap because napping's gotta be more powerful than just sitting with my eyes closed. I tried everything. Just like when I was drinking, I couldn't control my drinking wine. I didn't want to stop. So I switched what I was drinking. I figured, well, instead of drinking wine, I'll drink beer because beer doesn't have as much uh, alcohol in it. So I tried that. I tried only drinking um, three glasses of wine instead of a half a box. but it wasn't working and it just kept getting worse and worse. I I'm telling you, I cannot tell you how, uh, I'm telling you, I cannot tell you how much similarity there is between these two situations. I feel like, and, um, and so I feel like I stunted my, my growth and my recovery by working and by not recognizing that I was, I was sick and I was, I was more, uh, I was in more pain and more, uh, unable to do things 
the way that I should be doing them. I This book that I've been listening to talks about like people who um, have a stroke and they can't, it's, it affects their m- muscles in their mouth that they can't form words the same way. Their mouth doesn't make the same shapes as uh, somebody who has not been affected in that way. So they find other ways to move their mouth to make the same sound come out. And I didn't really like it, but the book said it's called Ugly Talking. I don't know. I think that's offensive, but whatever. Maybe that's a technical term. I don't have any idea. But, um, but you know, you, you see what I'm saying? So um, I was doing, I was working in ways that, um, that allowed me to keep doing the same work and still be effective, but I was doing it uh, not correctly. I was doing it in a way that was, I was only hurting myself. And, um, and the way that I would do it, um, just in case I do find somebody who's like me, the way that I was doing it is um, when I was on the computer, and I didn't realize it until I stopped doing it, but I was looking past my computer screen and I would type because, you know, I took typing in high school. So I was typing and, um, and then when I just needed to glance back, at the computer to see if I mistyped something or, or to see, you know, I would glance through, did I write it right? And then I'd hit send. So I was accommodating for what I couldn't do. And, um, and that wasn't fair to my work either. You know, it wasn't fair to my staff because I'm supposed to be auditing their stuff. It's not fair to my boss. It's not fair to, my peers who, um, you know, there's a certain level of, of ability that, that I, um, owe them because that's what they've hired me for. So, um, it just, it wasn't fair to me. It wasn't fair to anybody else. And, and I was being dishonest with myself and it didn't feel good. And so, um, I was just, I was just covering everything up. It's really kind of sad. Um, it's, it's really not kind of sad. It is sad. And, and so I think by talking about it, that one of the reasons why I'm able to do this podcast thing and to be able to talk about it is because I learned in my sobriety that it's, okay to cry that other people cry and um i i've always learned that other people don't cry as much as me um but i'm okay with that now i think that that's my superpower now because i am so empathetic and i am so sensitive my mom and i talked about this I do, I care so much and that's a superpower. It's not something to be embarrassed of. So in the first few episodes, I did start crying and I have a lump in my throat right now, but that means I have pain inside me 
that needs to come out. And I see that now. Um, so back to the topic uh, at hand <laughs> between the words. Um, one thing that I've learned, so I'm sitting here just talking and talking and talking, but now I'm going to talk about listening. So um, one thing that I've learned also in sobriety is that um, I need to learn how to listen. And so my, I have, okay, a couple things. My sister-in-law said something to me once. Sorry, I'm, I know you're eventually going to hear this, but my sister said sister-in-law said something to me once that really stuck with me, and I'm really glad that she said this to me. And she said that um, when Billy and I were uh, that we were interrupting each other all the time. I'm I'm summarizing. I, <laughs> that we interrupt each other all the time. And I've always said I was an interrupter. And it's and um and I just I'm like I dismiss the rudeness of it by just saying, "Oh, I'm really sorry, I'm an interrupter." And it's not okay to be an interrupter. It's just not. And so that was my first I didn't even know that I was doing that until she pointed it out. And um, I am not saying this so you feel bad if you hear this <laughs> episode. I'm saying this because it, it was a pivotal moment for me that I heard somebody say that to me. And, um, and yet I still didn't do it. I, I tried, but I still, um, the alcohol covered that desire in me to listen. I just wanted to talk because I was selfish when I'm, when I'm drinking I'm selfish. All I care about is alcohol, alcohol, and let me tell everybody what's happening inside of me. And when I stopped drinking alcohol, I found that I cared more about what was going on around me than what was going on inside of me because I had less going on inside of me. I didn't have this turmoil and these storms going on inside of me. And I was, once I was able to, to go through the steps of the program and, and get a lot of that out of me and go through it to a therapist for two years and stop drinking and my medicine, my, you know, anxiety medication and everything started working then I had room to look outside of me and care about what other people were saying. Um, so the other thing I was going to say is a friend of mine, and, and um, she would know who, who this is. We had this joke. We were always, we were drinking buddies. And we used to joke all the time that whenever you're talking, I'm just thinking about what I'm going to say next. And so I'm waiting for you to be done so that I can talk. And we like came to an agreement that we knew that each other did that. So we were just okay with it. And we'd laugh and it was so much fun. And, um, and it was funny to me. Um, and I, I know that her and I are not the only ones in the world that do that. Because I, when I started saying that to people that, that, that her and I had this joke about it, they're like, yeah, I totally do that. Um, but I've learned now that when I hear people talking, 
about 75% of the time, this is how successful I've been at it. <laughs> I would say at this point, and I've been trying this for a while now, 75% of the time, um, if I, let me say this another way. When I hear people talking, if I, instead of just talking when there's airtime, when people have stopped and I just jump right in, instead of doing that and I just pause and and don't say anything, even if I have something that I want to say, I desperately want to say something, it's going to be hilarious. I am going to be the star of this conversation. If I say this, everybody's going to crack up. I still have forced myself not to say it. And 75% of the time, I wait and somebody else starts talking and I realize that what I was about to say would not have added any value to the conversation. What I was about to say was going to turn the focus on me. It was all about me. I only cared about what people thought about what I said rather than what I was adding to the conversation, to the value that I was adding in their life and in their conversation. And that has been a really interesting learning experience for me um, to do that. Uh, so, so a great example is today, uh, my mom and my boyfriend's mom came over for tea because this is my new thing that I love to do in sobriety. Um, I like to have teas. So we, we have pastries and a choice of teas. We had some like, I don't know, I don't need to name the teas right now, but I, I offer some different types of teas and I have gotten all these fancy like tea sets and stuff. And, um, and so this is the first time you're not going to believe this, but this is the first time that my mom and my boyfriend's mom have met and him and I have been together for, I think we're at about 16 years. I no, this year is, I think 17 years and they've never met. <laughs> I feel bad. Sorry. But um, it just never happened. I don't know. We lived, we lived an hour away and then we, it didn't happen. Um, but so today they got to be together. And so I was sitting at the table with them and, and they were, I really wanted them to get to know each other. I knew that they would really enjoy each other. And, um, and they did. And whenever, number one, whenever there was silence, I was trying to think of something to say because I felt like I needed to entertain them, you know? Uh, number two, when they were talking to each other, I kept thinking of what I wanted to say and I wanted to be a part of the conversation. Like I wanted to jump in and I went back to my, oh, 75% of the time, whatever I'm about to say doesn't need to be said. So I kept my mouth shut and, um, and I realized sitting there today that the value of, of that experience today was not 
the three of us having a conversation and and listening to them talk to each other is really what I enjoyed the most. It wasn't me telling them my opinions and my experiences about whatever they were talking about. It was listening to them share their experiences with each other. And the serenity and the love and the joy that I felt today was not even in what they were talking about. It was the fact that they were here. You know, it was the fact that they were here with me. And I was really, really grateful to just sit there and to just listen to them. It was really, really nice. I had a really, really nice time. And if I don't take the time to to listen to not what's being said, but what's behind the words and where they're coming from and the silence that rests underneath the words, if I don't take the time to do that, I'm missing out. I'm missing out a lot. And... um and maybe it's because now I <laughs> I have more time on my hands. I don't think so. I think this is a practice that that I've been working on for seven years now. I mean, seven years of sobriety. It's taken this long for me to to see these tiny little snapshots and these the beauty. You know, it's there. And and so today I was also, I was just putting my dogs into their crates for bed. And I smiled when I put them in there. And I said, good night, pupperdoodles. That's what I call them, pupperdoodles. I don't know, that just started this month. <laughs> And I smiled and I realized that this is working. Just like I said yesterday, this podcast is working. And so I'm going to keep doing this. So thanks for listening. And I'll talk to you tomorrow. And I wanted to say one more thing. Sorry. One more thing. When I say I'll talk to you tomorrow, I'm saying that what I actually feel on the inside when I say that is that I'm promising myself that I'm going to suit up and show up tomorrow and do the same thing and put forth the same amount of effort and fight that I did today to get better, to stay sober, and to, um, to make my head stop hurting. So thank you, and I'll talk to you tomorrow.